Hey, welcome to Ashes to Ruby's channel. Uh, this is an episode of Rehab Life, uh, where we talk about recovery, addiction, addiction recovery, and all things in between. I'd like to thank our corporate sponsors, Carlington Booch, uh, the world's best original kombucha, small batch, traditional, all naturally carbonated, handcrafted flavors, and all that good stuff. It's good for your gut, and it's good for our communities because they give back to people like us. And so I would like to thank Carlington Booch as our sponsor and Union City Church to be able to make this all possible. And so we got in the background, we got our friend Josh Beatty. What's happening? Hey, what's that? Oh, yeah. Is that all you got to say? What's your <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's all I got. That's all he's got right <laughs> well, I was going to ask, what's your name? <laughs> what's your name? My name is John Ruby. Yep. Welcome. And then we got Sean. Sean Haley. How you doing, Sean Haley? Good. Good. Where did we meet? When did uh, we meet? Yeah, we met. Have up. we met? This no. is no, we met before. A couple of times before. A few yeah, years we were just ago, we talking met. Talking about that, and you said uh, maybe uh, Union City Church, most likely. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think I went to one of your. And you told me you didn't like me. Is that what you said? No, Something I, like that. I that wasn't was... a big fan at first because uh, I was just finding. Uh, you want to know why? Yeah, well, yeah. I think why, I told you why. why. Yeah, I was just finding Jesus, and uh, I thought you were too much of a mix between Jesus and recovery. And, uh, mm. I really like. Wow, this guy's stretching the push, pushing the lines and <laughs> stretching the it limits, a little bit. Pushing but, the lines. But uh, I realized that yeah, Jesus works in many different ways. I didn't know Jesus. Then, he can right? speak through a donkey, and yeah. Uh, yeah. he can speak through Ruby too. He can speak yeah. through. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, just tell me about your your uh, journey in recovery. Where yeah. are you at with it? Well, uh, actually, next week. On the second, three years consecutive sobriety, clean time. Hey, uh, congrats, congrats, man. Congrats. Come awesome. on, hand over there, Josh. Come on. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Josh. You, Josh is his name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been trying to get sober since 2007. Uh, my first treatment center, I went to multiple, multiple treatment centers. So 2007 isn't three years ago. No, it isn't three years ago. So how long is 2007? Uh, that's 13 years ago, dude. So 13 yeah. years ago, you tried to get sober. Yes. And what were you trying ago. to get sober from? Uh, at that point, it was just, uh, I was doing pills, a lot of club scene. Pills, uh, by doing like, what kind of pills? Ecstasy like, and speed, and uh, we were into GHB back then. And not the Flintstones? No, it wasn't Flintstones. Well, actually, Flintstone there was an ecstasy, ecstasy pill called Flintstones, I think. There was one. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> they had everything. But no, I went to, uh, I didn't, I went to treatment there for the first time, and I went to uh, 12 treatment centers since then. And um, five years ago uh, was the last time I went to a treatment center. And uh, it still didn't work. I, I got out. I relapsed, and shortly after there, I met uh, my now sponsor and started on the journey of recovery rather than just sobriety. And uh, yeah, now now three years. I had a little slip uh, eighteen months in, and three years later, uh, completely recovered. So you got three years of abstinence. Yes. And recovery, and you would say you're recovered. Yes. I'm recovered. And so, what does that mean that you're recovered? Or what does it mean that you're in recovery? Okay, so to be, What's the difference? Uh, I guess this is my opinion only too, uh, but recovery would be uh, living a new way of life and learning how to uh, how to live life, not just without drugs and alcohol, but how to live life properly. I'm recovering, I'm recovering from not uh, the disease of alcoholism or addiction, but I'm recovering from just being a, a messed up human being, right? And that's the difference between sobriety and recovery, right? It, Sobriety can happen very easily without me making any change, but recovery means I have to change, and, and recovery is for the long haul. So then what didn't you get before? If, if you've been trying to get sober since 2007, do you just like rehab? Like, is that like a, a club med? And it's like some people go on cruises. You just yeah. go to uh, rehab centers. Or what were you missing? And, and describe, you said disease. What does that mm -hmm. actually mean? 
Well, ironically, first I did like rehab because it was the only time I wasn't using. So that it, okay. for that facet, so I, I liked actually, rehab because you actually you actually didn't like using. No, I was uh, I was stuck uh, by the end of it. Anyways, I was using drugs against my own willpower, against my own desire, and uh, I could say maybe not in two thousand seven, but uh, after two thousand seven, my next rehab was in two thousand eleven, and um, in two thousand eleven, I really didn't want to use anymore, and I and I really wanted to quit, and I could say with my whole heart I wanted to, but uh, I still wasn't able to. It wasn't enough until I started uh, doing this recovery journey. Right? What was the second question you asked there? I think it. I, 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 um, I don't know what was your, <laughs> we're just too enthralled in your there. answer. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just so intrigued by what you're saying right what, now. What is that? Yeah. So then. Oh, what's different? What happened? Yeah. I think, what, yeah. what was the turning point? Or you just got sick of going to rehab? Yeah. Was it all it was cracked out to be? No. What? And then why, like you said, you got, you, you didn't like using, you, you didn't like using, but you continued to use. So most people would say, well, if you're doing something mm -hmm. over and over and repeatedly, you must like doing it. Yeah. So what does that mean that you don't like doing it and you kept doing it anyway? Yeah, well, that actually answers the disease question, I guess. It's a disease slash illness of addiction, alcoholism. It's uh, saying that our, our minds and our bodies are different. And uh, it's kind of like uh, an allergy. So we say if I'm allergic to... Uh, bees I, I don't go near bees right but mm. the difference between the a disease allergy is uh, it has an obsession of the mind which just makes me forget that i'm allergic to bees or drugs in this case right so i keep going back even though i don't want to i forget how bad it actually was not to mention my life is so messed up and my thoughts are so messed up and my feelings are so out of whack i just don't want to be a part of life anymore so I, I have that solution and i guess the chain the turning point is realizing that um there, there is a solution that's even better than, than drugs and alcohol. That would be God, but uh, learning how to find Him, right? And that's what I, in 2005, when I, I was hopeless on the streets of, of Ottawa, I got into a treatment center and they said that my alcohol and drugs weren't my problem. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if that's not my problem, mm. like I, I'm crazier than I think mm. I am. And it's like, this, this is why I'm here. This is my problem. So what do you mean by that? You, you kind of have of the all, same thought that I had. Yeah, well, I... I don't like that saying too much there because I think alcohol and drugs are a part of the problem. They're not mm. the whole problem, right? But the problem is me. The problem is that um, I don't have any coping skills. I don't have any uh, life skills. I don't have any uh, power within me to say no to them, right? The problem is that uh, I, I'm fearful. I'm afraid everyone's gonna gonna hate me or, or talk about me. And my only solution to avoid all that, uh, well, not my only solution, but at the time I thought the solution that works every time is the drugs and alcohol. And the reason they're also the problem is because every time I use drugs and alcohol, people actually start hating me even more. So like mm. my own, my fears come to truth, right? So I'm afraid that people hate me. So I use drugs and then people actually start hating me because I do crappy, crappy stuff while I'm on drugs. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's just a vicious cycle where I can't get out of it, right? So then what does recovery look like today? In, in the last three years, what was different from the uh, first 10 years? We'll go back five years because that's when I started, I say recovery. So I'm three years sober, but I think I started on a recovery journey the two years before that when I had 18 months and uh, surrender basically, right? So seven years in and out of the, of the room. So the rooms being AA, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, rooms, they give you a set of guidelines to, uh, to get better and to maybe find a relationship with a higher power or a God of your understanding. And seven years in and out, I, I didn't really want to follow those guidelines. I wanted to pick and choose which ones I wanted to do. Mm, or five, like a buffet. Yeah. 
Mm. Exactly. You like buffets? <laughs> I, I've I've been to a buffet only, or two uh, in my life. Uh, only for six hours every day. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we go. Um, five years ago, I, I stopped trying to pick and choose. Right. I, I had a sponsor who kind of uh, a sponsor. So it, the program also offers sponsorship. Uh, so guys who have been through who who have been through the program and who have recovered or mm. who are in recovery to help you through. And uh, so they guide uh, individuals. And uh, the one I got was pretty much hands on, no holds bar. He said, "You do this, or you're not going to make it." And and that's what I needed. Where the the seven years before that, I, I listened to people who said these are suggestions, and mm. um, you can do them if you want to, but. Uh, I needed to be told that, well, the truth is I had to do them, right? The, mm -hmm. there, was no, there was no suggestion for me, uh, the, the hopeless alcoholic addict that I am. I need, I need everything in order to recover, everything that that program has to offer, which is basically clean up me so I can find a power, which is God, to help me stay sober because I can't do it on my own. I can't even live on my own, right? So I don't need the power to stay sober, but I need the power to learn how to live and to make life decisions, to run my family, to decide whether I'm going to come here and do this interview or not. Beautiful. So the first 10 years, it was that wrestling match of what do I really need to stay sober? And that mm -hmm. was power. You were powerless over your addiction. Mm -hmm. The solution is to get power. So why did you start using in the first place? Mm. Like, did you never have power? Or what did... How did, how did you start using? Like, when did you start using? What, did yeah. you just use, go right into the drugs? Or what, what What was the entry point of your using? Yeah, that's actually a good question for me because a, a lot of people, it has to do with trauma and stuff like that. For, for me, it wasn't. A, uh, well, I guess you could call it trauma in a sense. But we moved around a lot as kids. And uh, I'm a big-time five-pin bowler, so I was bowling all the time. Hey. And we lived in a small town uh, or a pretty small city of Oshawa and there was one bowling alley so uh, we move around in the city and, and there was always people at the bowling alley who knew me because I was the best bowler in the town so they would become my friends and then we moved to Ottawa a much bigger city and uh, there's lots of bowling alleys so and, and I'm also 16 at this point so and rather than being liked for being a good bowler I was disliked because I was stealing all the awards and stuff so mm. I was I was put in a position where I had to make friends without having my, my bowling tool to do it. And I didn't know how to make friends, right? And I had smoked weed uh, once or twice before that. I had drinking a few times, no allergy, no, no what obsession. Age were you? What age were you? 16, 17 years old. Okay. Yeah, so no no allergy, no obsession at that point. But I, I went to, uh, after the third time moving in Ottawa, instead of uh, trying to make friends the hard way, I went to the smoking section and bought a couple grams of weed for some guys who smoked weed and we smoked at school. And uh, unfortunately for me, well, fortunately in the long run, but unfortunately for me, the guys who smoke at school do other stuff on the weekends, right? So I got involved in this crowd that started doing shrooms and acid and, and partying on the weekend. And uh, again, I, I would say a year, maybe three quarters of a year before I, I, I believe I crossed the line where there was just, there was no turning back. I needed drugs and alcohol to function or to have a good time, what I thought, right? The only good time I knew at that point was after a year of doing it was with drugs and alcohol so it became uh it went from being just a tool to make friends to uh, a tool to have fun to i don't know what else to do with my life and did you know that at that time like could you do you think you could identify it? like this no. is this owns was, me yeah i thought i was choosing to i thought it was a, i thought it was a choice of mine right up until uh maybe 27 in that first treatment center right i moved uh, i moved back to oshawa where i came from because i knew it was getting bad and uh I remember one time my my best friend is still the best friend I ever had. He's still out there using. But uh, he said to me, uh, we, we always said, well, we're going to take a little break. 
we're going to take a little break this weekend. We're not going to use this weekend. He said, you know, you're an addict when you, you say you need to take a break because normal people don't say they need to take a break. They just mm. take a break or they don't have to say that. Right. And that, that, <laughs> that hit me in the yeah. head. Right. It, it sunk in. I'm like, wow, maybe I'm an addict. Right. And I'm like, OK, well, let's go drink some more. And how old were you? About it. 27, 26. Okay. 20, maybe maybe 25 when he made that joke, but by the time it's 27, uh, I could really see it that um, my life was unmanageable because of drugs and alcohol, and I couldn't I couldn't control my life. I couldn't I couldn't live without drugs, but I couldn't live with drugs either. Right, so I needed to do something, so I moved back to Ottawa. I mean to Oshawa, the the classic geographical cure they call it, and uh, fortunately. Like we talked about earlier, I brought me with me, so the problem came. And even though the drugs weren't there at first, they, they eventually showed up. They showed up. Mm -hmm. I found them, and uh, I was just as bad in a year in Oshawa as I was seven years in Ottawa. Right? And so you kind of talked environmental, you know, going to the cool kids, and, and there was a progression of usage because mm -hmm. of who you hung out with. And then you realize you're not the same as other, you're using differently than other people. Yeah. Uh, other people can leave it or, or take it or enjoy it. And then with you, it becomes problematic and you lose your the, the luxury of choice, yeah. whether you're doing it or not. Uh, so what did you do for work in this era? Were you able to work? Were you able to be functional? Did you finish your uh, post-secondary? Uh, grade 10 education. So I dropped out of school. Um, basically, I started working to support my... Uh, weed and minor cocaine habit at the time i dropped out of school or no in the summer actually i started a, an overnight job so i was working from 2 a.m to 10 a.m so when i went back to school that year I, I asked them if i could do afternoons and said sure no problem but we would smoke weed at the school and i wouldn't quite want to go to school so and i dropped out in grade 10 and, and never went back uh, as for work it was uh restaurant fields whichever field uh, could support my using habit and mm -hmm. i worked in bars and strip clubs for uh, a friendly organization that we used to you were a shooter girl. I was a shooter girl. <laughs> shooter girl, yeah. So I, I, I did what I could do best, right? I, I knew about drugs. That's about so all I knew about. So I got into got bartending. Into, I got okay. into selling drugs, basically, okay. in the bars. And uh, so I could have, I could use any time I wanted to, and I had full access to anything I wanted. And so it was a pretty good lifestyle for a while. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I thought, right, I thought I had uh, the, big, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about arriving. I feel it felt like I had arrived, like my thing for using was to make friends. And next thing you know, I was the most popular person in this bar because I was the drug dealer of that bar. So what 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 I wanted for myself, I had fulfilled, right? What I mm -hmm. what now I have fulfilled in God, I had fulfilled then in uh, praise and respect from other people. Well, that was your biggest longing growing up too, though, with all the bowling stuff, right? Like just mm -hmm. wanting to be noticed and just yeah. trying to make friends and trying to get the approval from people. Right. So at 27, was your first, that was your first treatment center then? Yeah, I was coming back from Oshawa. I called my parents crying uh, yeah. from Oshawa. I said, take me home. And they said, if you're going to come home, you're going to go to rehab. So I went to rehab because they wanted me to, not because I wanted to, but that's when I learned about this illness and learned that I was a little different from other people. But uh, my my sick brain turned that around to say that well I'm different from other people so I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life and I went back out for four years mm -hmm. till 2011 and then that's when uh, I hit like what I would call my bottom uh, the lowest point I'd ever been and I was outside I was homeless uh, staying at the mission uh, downtown 
And I remember, uh, should I go into this scenario? Yeah, man, go. It's I'm a great place. At... I'm <laughs> down at a homeless shelter. I thought place. it was an okay place, right? So anyways, I'm sitting there one day after uh, a binge, and uh, outside the mission, they have these, these smoking areas, and there's like three separate smoking areas. And I'm in the far right, and I look to the far left, and there's these dealers. And I was saying to myself, I, I'm trying to figure out where my life, where my, where my place in the mission is going to be. And I said, well, I could be the dealers. Maybe I could take that on. Um, and then in the middle section, there was these people, they, they seemed to be long-time mission goers. They, they lived there for a while, and they were content with living a homeless life at the mission, mm -hmm. right? And you see them, they were happy, and they were talking, and that, that's, they were okay with that. And then I looked in mine, and there was this uh, mentally ill guy. He was, like, roaming around for cigarette butts, right? And I said, well, that could be me, too. And I'm, like, in the midst of it, I just had this, uh, I don't know, epiphany, but I'm, like, what am I doing? I'm, like, not that, not that those, those people are sick, not that they're bad people, but I, I'm, I'm trying to plan a life where I'm going to be living at the mission for the rest of my life. I said, no, 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 this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And I realized that how bad uh, my life had actually gotten. Mm -hmm. I thought I was like, so I thought I was choosing all this stuff for my life. And then when I had to make a choice and like, when I really had to make a choice, I just said, no, no, I called detox. And I went to my second treatment center at the time. And good for you, man. Still didn't work. So then when, when you're talking um, kind of like this progression and rock bottom, that means there was a process to get there. And I always heard rock bottom is death for, for most of us. Mm -hmm. I think rock bottom is when you put the shovel down. Sure. And uh, so explain that progression of, of what you were talking about. Because like most people that have an illness or a disease, there's a diagnosis. Yeah. So were you diagnosed at, you know, 18 or 19 or 20? And, mm -hmm. and is it, it because it's a little bit trickier to diagnose, did you start with the illness or did you grow into the illness, yeah. disease? Explain uh, that. Like, talk about that. I kind of did a little bit already. Funny, funny enough, I was probably diagnosed by everyone else when I was 20 and 21 years old. But uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, if there was an actual diagnosis spot, if if uh, there was a doctor that would say you have become an addict, it would be in the the 20 age group. I was about 20, and uh, but it's still fun, right? And still enjoying it, right? So for the the progression would be this. It'd be like uh, five years fun in clubs what I thought was fun at the time, fun clubs, mm -hmm. girls, dancing, stuff like that. Two years, uh, no clubs, but Xbox, same guy, still laughing, stuff like that, but same amount of drugs, just not in a club at someone's house playing Xbox. And then two years uh, isolation uh, for me, like really, it started getting worse. And then I found uh, my last drug of choice while I was doing that, while I was all alone, which is crack cocaine. And, and uh, one year of that before it was really, really, just off the wall i had no friends no uh, fortunately i have a, a loving family who would always take me back but they were they were done with me too because i'd always steal off them right so they'd take me back but they would lock me in the, their basement not lock me in their basement but they would just go in your basement and don't come into our house unless you're here to pick up food or something like that right so yeah it's a very consumeristic uh yeah it took illness everything. that we have right yeah, yeah. and uh so yeah people lose their patients you lose family members you yeah. lose everything that you hold on value well, again, uh, the disease affects them probably more than it affects me, right? Again. So would you consider yourself a 12-step guy? Like, is that yeah. the process that you've taken? For sure. Uh, you mentioned that you were powerless, you needed power. The yeah. 12 steps led you into that process. Yeah. And they and, and you said that you were recovered. Um, what are you recovered from? And then what is the spiritual experience at the end of it? What does that look like? 
Right. What, what does that mean by spiritual experience? Okay. Well, I, I would say I would go to spiritual awakening rather than a spiritual experience because I think I had a spiritual experience which got me into the 12-step program, right? So an, a, a, an experience with God that, well, I was, I was never able to stop using for even for a day, right? And then one day, all of a sudden, I'm able to stop using and get myself to detox. And, and, and for a guy who went to 12 treatment centers, to think the one time I actually got sober was the time I didn't go to treatment. Five years ago was the only time I didn't go to treatment and it actually worked for me. So wow. there's something spiritual in that, right? So as for the steps, like um, there's 12 steps that you go through just basically to to uh, realize how bad it is. Uh, realize that my body and my mind are different. I suffer from an illness that says uh, my body, if I take one, anything, anything mood altering, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm, I'm not going to stop me until I'm out of money or until I'm in jail or until someone stops me. Right. And then after I'm stopped, I have the mind problem, which is uh, it always brings me back to it. Right. Like I said earlier, I forget how bad it was for some reason, even a week later, I'm not even going to remember that I ended up in detox. I mm -hmm. stole my wife's bank card and she wasn't my wife at the time, but I stole my girlfriend's bank card. I stole off my mom and I made my mom cry. I remember one night. I was like getting mom money off my mother and I still hug her every now and then to try and make up for this. I can never make up for it, right? She's like, she's crying. She's like, you're not using this for drugs. She's bawling. And I, and I said, I'm using it for drugs, mom. And I for, like, I forced her to get me the money and she was bawling, bawling, crying. And, uh, but I had no care in the world. Right. So, uh, that was, I could go a week later and I, sorry, I would come down from that binge. Right. And I'd be so regretful and so remorseful that I did that to my mom. And then three days later, I'd be asking my mom for money for drugs mm. again or something like that, right? And just no feelings, no care in the world about it, right? So that's the mind part. It tells me it tells me that I don't have a problem, right? Or this time it's going to be different, right? And then there's uh, the spiritual side, which uh, I didn't... That's where the awakening comes in, I think, right? So uh, the 12 steps, basically, they, they tell me I have a problem. They tell me... They give me hope that there's a solution to my problem. Uh, they help me clear out some of the crap. So the problem, they say, you need power. That power is God. And yes, it's God. It's not for me anyway. Sorry, I'm a little judgmental on the, the whole higher power stuff. For mm -hmm. me, the, 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 the big book in Alcoholics Anonymous brings you to God. And uh, whichever God that is for you, that's fine. But, but it has to bring you to God, right? Mm -hmm. And God is the power that I need to stay sober. So they tell me I have a problem. They said, you can't solve it. You got to find God. Um, and then they help me do that by, by clearing up all the crap, all that stuff of wanting to be liked by other people, all that stuff of needing that to feel whole, all this stuff of... I'm afraid what everyone thinks like this. So the steps four, five, six are, are clearing me up of that crap, right? And then, uh, and then I go out uh, eight, nine steps are uh, clearing up, uh, saying sorry to my mom and saying sorry, not sorry, but really like just trying to make it right, trying to mm -hmm. trying to make it as though it didn't happen. And then the spiritual experience I think comes sometime in there, right? I realize uh, I realize I realize that God is actually working in my life, and, and somewhere in the process, all of a sudden, I have this conscious contact with Him and. It also helps that I went to church on the side and uh, I married a Christian woman who, who had Jesus in her life. So that, that helped a little bit, too. But for me, it wasn't it wasn't as easy as, OK, there's Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. It was I had to do the 12 steps in order to be able to believe in Jesus, be able to really contact him and be in contact with him and access the power. So the awakening, uh, the, the spiritual awakening is a daily thing that I have to keep, right? So I have recovered. I said I recovered from the mind and body thing, right? So my mind no longer tricks me into going back to drugs. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I recoil from it, like it says. I, I have no interest. I could be right beside it and not do it, right? Uh, my body's 
I don't, don't have that problem anymore because drugs and alcohol aren't, aren't in me, right? But the spiritual malady I have because of, uh, I always say because of Adam, Adam and Eve, right? I have that, I have that malady that's in my human nature. I, I'm, a, I'm a bad person in, inside and I'm always going to revert to human nature. So I need that spiritual awakening, which is an ongoing thing to, to, to uh, keep the mind and body recovered. Man, that's a beautiful explanation. Yeah. So it, basically what you're saying is the process of the 12 steps actually gets you to identify that you're powerless, you need power, that other things were your solution, you need God as your solution, and the, the program of action actually unblocks you, takes all the, the stuff in here, the fear, the resentment, all this sickness, and gets that out so God can come in and get you plugged in. Yeah. Uh, like I have, uh, while you're talking, I have that picture of, I, I was I lived in Asia for nine years of my life, and in Indonesia where we were, there was a lot of earthquakes. Okay. And I remember, I remember, I don't know what time it was, but there was an earthquake happening. It was midnight, you know, three in the morning, and I remember my dad coming in, running, waking us up, okay. and so dead asleep. Wake up, wake up, wake up! We gotta get out of the house. And the, I remember running down the hall, and the whole house is shaking. We get outside. And I'm awake. Yeah. And I feel like that's what recovery is. Like okay. we're sleeping through mm. the earthquake and the trauma. And like it, you, yeah. we're just that's asleep good. through it all. I think and it's we're, great too that your father came in and brought you out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like our father. Woo! Us. <laughs> Blew into that very, one, right? <laughs> very good. Very good. So tell me what uh, what do you do for a living now? Where are you at? Um, yeah, are you, well, uh, where are you at in the, your adulting? Oh, so go, go, go back. So I want to I ask a question. Sure. When you're talking about this spiritual solution and spiritual awakening, was that a tough thing for you to accept coming in? Like, did you have a concept of God before treatment? Yeah, I had, uh, I had a belief in God. Uh, I, I really am blinded by the people who don't looking around the world and how, where did this come from? So I had that fundament, that, that basic belief that some, this, this, this came from somewhere, right? I was actually fighting Jesus for the first little while. I remember uh, I, for taxi drivers, I would always cry to taxi drivers when I was going to pick up all the time, right? And I remember one of my last binges, I was going to pick up and I was telling him how I was an addict and I don't even want to go do this, but I'm going to do this. And he's like, he's like, well, if you try <laughs> Cab drivers were your therapist. <laughs> yeah. No, they were. They were. This guy was anyway. So he says, uh, he says, do you know God? Did you ever try God? I told him because I've been in and out of treatments. And he says, well, have you ever tried God as as your solution and I said well well I tried many times he's like well do you go to church he says well and I said no I never really went to church and he said well if you want to talk to God you got to go to God's house mm. and so that time around this is my last treatment center I started going to this Catholic church and and uh, I was crying every week I could feel something I could feel the spirit of God there um, but they were talking about this Jesus person and I had no interest at all in Jesus so I think through the 12 steps it kind of opened my mind to that and I went to a church, a different church, not a Catholic church, but um, I went to this other church and joined this group that said, ask questions. And uh, I could see people like you and people, I, I think I was really blessed. That you didn't like, you know. People that I didn't like, <laughs> but I could see that, uh, I may not have liked them, but I liked what they were talking about. And I liked, you could see they had a spirit. Some Kind of like when you go into Alcoholics Anonymous too, you come in and you're like, wow, I want what these guys have. Well, I went into this church group and I, I saw 12 Christians who had this glow to them, this feeling of joy in them. And we got, we got off track there. Good question. And, and the, but that's the experience, right? That's the awakening. We actually yeah. feel something yeah. different. Right. And, and it's not about knowledge. It's not about how much I can memorize out of this book or even the Bible. It's about the experience and the relationship. Right. And I, I remember coming into treatment as well in 2005. And I know that I know what my life is like today. And if they had mentioned that, 
in the beginning of like, you're going to know Jesus. You're going to lead a Sunday school. You're going to actually become an ordained minister and work with drug addicts for 10 years and, and start a church. I would have punched you in the throat. I would have yeah. been like, well, that's <laughs> hell. Like, yeah. But the beautiful thing about recovery, it actually gives us the ability to begin the relationship yeah. without my preconceptions. Yeah. Because I don't want, like, we don't want... We don't want our perception or our religion to get in the way of a relationship. Right. That's exactly it. And that's the beautiful thing about the program. It's not about like a power grading yourself like a doorknob. You hear yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. God God is the concept that, you know, all powerful, all being, all knowing, all present, that that's kind cool. of concept um, that we have come to know that we get into a relationship with. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing about the program that yeah. we're both in. Um, they lead us into relationship. Yeah. It's really good. And there's no pressure while they do there's it, right? There's no pressure. Yeah. Except when there is. Except when, yeah. <laughs> well, Except so, when I apply it. So, yeah, get back to uh, adulting. Where yeah. are you with your... Uh... Um, yeah, I'm an adult now. So, so <laughs> sure. That is a good thing. I think I'm officially 22 or 23. Isn't that weird in our culture? How did you know you were an adult? Like, most, I grew up in Asia, and you were an adult when you got the... Uh, as a male, you got the uh, circumcision. I thought you were Asian when I first met you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's not why I didn't like you. Like, no, no, that's probably why you didn't like me. Okay, I see where. That, that's actually a great, a great question. How did you know when you're? But adult? in North America, I we mean, don't able celebrate. To, yeah, I think it's a, a line between able. Oh, it's funny because I want to say able to uh, control your life or able to live your life um, properly, but really able. I'm not I'm still not even yeah please do I'm still not able to do that so that that's kind of a lie I, I use God to do that now so maybe maybe an adult would be someone who can manage their life that's good I would mm. say. so I, I've, I've been able to manage my life but uh the, the the weird part about that is it's not me who's managing it at all I'm 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 being guided by my sponsor, by the principles, and by God too, right? So that's a beautiful concept. Are we ever adults? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I can. I, I feel like I am an adult now. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of of alone to, to the consequences that I get to choose. But I love what you like. The first ten years of your life, of your recovery life, you were actually almost that concept of what you were just saying. You were just trying to fix your life. Mm -hmm. You weren't trying to get a new life. Right now, you yeah, got, you're it. talking about, like, I'm an adult. I have a new life. Yeah, that's it. I'm being directed and guided by God. I have a community of people where before you're at the buffet going, man, I'm in a lot of pain. How about I add a little bit of salad or these fake bacon bits? Those are nice. And, and I'll do a little bit of this. And, and it actually gives you pain relief. And that's the thing mm -hmm. is even going to church and, you know, listening to that gospel music and some of that stuff. When we add it to our lives, it actually is a, a little bit of a pain relief. Yeah. But God didn't come to us to be a pain reliever. He came to set us free. Right. It's still not the solution. And a lot of people use recovery. A lot of people use, you know, God as pain relief. Mm -hmm. And and the whole point is, you know, the the death of self, the death of ego to yeah. be raised again to a new life, a new person. The spiritual. And so you're spiritual a new person. Awakening. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful conversation to have with a new person yeah so what are you doing right now like what what, so, what has the spirit of god led you into uh a whole bunch of things so first of all i'm a dad now i'm a one-year uh, i have a one-year-old boy which is pretty awesome man congratulations uh, start with that, right? how old are you uh 42 41 42 Dude, somewhere like that i'm, I'm 40 i'm 46 i'm 40 how old am i, I think 48 age, age doesn't no, matter not, though am i 48 no i think i'm 47 
age doesn't I matter. I turned in COVID, so it's like I don't really know <laughs> what age I am. No one celebrated me. Well, I forced people to celebrate me, but it was early COVID, so it wasn't like a. I like, I like to go to Montreal to do a little uh, food experience and stuff, but we couldn't do that. Okay. Um, my point is. Yeah, no, I'm three years old. Really? That's if you ask me how old, ask me how old <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm three years. Three. I'm five years old. Right? That's five, a lot of work five. to have a kid. But it, yeah, my friend Josh has like three of them. Thirty-seven, and I'm, I'm good for about what four hours, and then I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, gotta go home. I'm exhausted. Wow, my mind just went really off there. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna cut that part. It's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So my life now. Um, I'm a. So this is a shirt actually from my church. I go to Life Center, and uh, okay, I right found on. Life Center five years ago, and uh, now I'm actually. Uh, Head usher at the Life Center Church. I'm doing service for them, right? Right on. I'm. Uh, it, it said all in for a reason, right? So that's that's what the new life entails, right? It's trying to go all in in uh, in good stuff rather than all in in drugs. It's going all in and helping people, mm. all in and serving God, all in and uh, helping the next addict and the next alcoholic, right? So my new life, my uh, my adult life is about others. Where where my child life, and it kind of makes sense too. My child life is about me. My my, my previous life was about me. Where my new life is about others, right? And it's uh, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So you you just brought up like step three is turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Yeah. So people are like, well, what's the what's the will of God? Well. If you know what your will is, yeah. it's probably the opposite. Pretty so you're much. just saying, like, my will is about me, yeah. and God's will is about other people. Yeah. That's beautiful. Right? The the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is one of my favorite lines, uh, and it says, much of our spare time is spent in this sort of sort of way, and that's helping others and doing working on myself, making myself a better person, and helping others. So much of my spare time, I have my work life, and I have my family life, and then I have my spare time. And how much is much of my spare time? It's three quarters of my spare time. Four, four fifths of my spare time is spent in that sort of way, and that's mm. my that's my life, right? And, mm. and it's a wonderful like I'm getting a chill actually thinking about it because that's it's a way to live, right? So then, what do you do for work? Like you have this work life. Yeah, what is that so, work life? Well, you always ask questions. You know the answer. To I, I know the. I was going to say that earlier. So now I'm working at a, a treatment center. A Christian what did treatment you do center. three years ago? Uh, I was doing drywall for. Drywall. I, I worked as a drywall contractor. I was making a, a ton of money, and uh, I was very happy with that. And okay, was, wait, wait, wait. You said you work at a rehab center. Now. I work at a rehab center. Now. Okay, but you're a drywaller, and yeah. you have a great time. So, like, did you go and get a doctorate? Did you take a psychology yeah, well, degree? Like, I did. I had a doctorate in uh, spiritual awakening. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. Right. So it's it's a great question, right? So I'm a grade ten dropout. Um, I've been a crackhead for, I hate calling myself a crackhead, but it's true. I've been, I've been doing drugs and thinking to myself and stealing and lying for 20 years mm. of my adult life since I was 16, right? And then I, I get six months sober, six months sober, and I get asked to work at this treatment center. And it's like, it's unheard of. Why, why, I, some of the guy, one of the guys in the treatment center had more sobriety than I did, right? So, <laughs> That's <laughs> humbling, eh? He, well, it is very humbling. That's how you and, destroy ego. That's... But he, uh, the best part about it is uh, him and I are great friends today, too. Right. And he, he, credits my presence as as I helped him to get oh, through the program right so that that's part of the spiritual awakening right now I wasn't le- I wasn't the one who got the job God got me the job and uh, I've been working there ever since and so where it's a it's funny much of our spare time is is done in this sort of effort I get my work time in it too but that doesn't count from from so my they're recovery actually paying you they're they yeah, I guess you call does it. Does it pay? They're, does they, it pay as much as uh, as, as drywall? It pays one one tenth. I'll tell you tell you this story. Um, 
my sponsor uh, is actually the director of, of the treatment center, and that, that might have helped me get a job. But I think it was Ooh, still. I still put think, in a good word. I still think it was mostly God. So he he for years. I used to hurt myself. I got back pain, and I used to hurt myself once or twice a year, and not be able to drive well for a couple of weeks. And he always told me, he said, maybe you should uh, maybe you should think of something else. And uh, I was too prideful, and I was too stuck in self, and I was making seventy grand a year. So I'm like, there's no way I'm ever choosing something else. And uh, then I was in prayer one night, and God said, uh, maybe it's time you choose something else. Mm. And I said, okay, God, open doors for me, right? You know, I need you to open a door for me. And literally the next day I was in uh, Harvey's and I used to work, I said I worked in the restaurant field, right? I used to work at the Swiss LA. I love the job. And I'm looking over across the cash and the manager comes by and says, what are you looking at? I said, I used to work here. He says, well, do you want a job? I said, no, you don't pay enough. The day after I, I start this prayer, I go to my bed that night and I pray, God, can you please just open doors for me? And he's like, really? <laughs> really? I just opened this door for you, right? So... The next morning, I'm, I'm in my car and I'm uh, driving back to Swiss LA and I call uh, my sponsor on the way over and I said, look, I'm finally going to humble myself. I'm going to I'm going to get a, I'm going to quit drywall and I'm going to get a, a cheaper paying job and I don't know where it's going to lead. And he said and he said and uh, again, uh, I believe it, but he said no, no word of a lie. Just that morning he was in the shower and he said, God put on his heart to hire me at the, at the treatment center part time. So the same day that I finally humbled myself to go uh, get a new job is the same day that uh, wow. this man had cool. put on his heart to go it's even cooler is uh i'm still selfish and i'm still greedy and i'm still a prick so he was going to offer me a part-time job and it was going to be starting in two months and i'm like okay well i'm going to do drywall until then and i'm going to do drywall on the mm -hmm. side i'm going to drywall five days and i'm going to do the rehab treatment three days and god was like he's telling me no he's like he told me well kevin just let his name oh, you can kevin kevin uh, my sponsor uh, also told me he said that's not going to work he says you, you can't do both. You got to choose one or the other. And, and God kind of uh, put the same nudge on me. So I, I kind of prayed to God. Uh, I said, because I knew myself too. I'm like, you're right. I'm going to choose drywall nine times at a time. I'm going to choose drywall over the shop. and make some money. I need I need money. I need money. It's That's almost like you're powerless. Right? Well, we're making the right choice. To there. make yeah. the right choice yeah. and to work. Right. Because if you're not, if you're making the choice, then you're going to get your yeah. results. That's a bang on because it's a spiritual malady, right? So this mm -hmm. is my malady that wasn't, wasn't in repression. wasn't, wasn't remission. Yeah. yeah you're remission explaining the battle like that we all go through on mm -hmm. a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you're recovered. So we're not recovering one day at a time, yeah. but there is this concept of one day at a time, every day you wake up. And I know for me, I can fall into self pity really quick. And especially with COVID, it's like, oh, another mm -hmm. day. And that's self-pity. Yeah. And that's what's going to lead me into becoming spiritually sick and looking yeah. for other solutions. Yeah. It's beautiful how you right. say it. And I, I just want to make mention that it's cool that no, he thinks good. about you in the shower. Like, yeah. th like that's awesome. Right? That's great. I hope you can return the favor one day. And <laughs> Hey, I've been thinking about you. I was showering and uh, I have a job for you. Well, uh, but I, I think I'm going to quit this job. Now. Have... Let me finish that story once quickly, right? So, so that that night again, I'm not powerful. I'm not. I didn't have the power to make the right choice. So I, I prayed the, a different prayer that night, and I asked God to take away, to close the drywall door for me. I literally asked that prayer, scary prayer. And two days later, I, I hurt my back for, and I was out for three months. Oh, I couldn't oh. lift a drywall board for three months. And in that time, the job came up at, at Jericho, and I remember my first shift. I was. Uh, I was, it was a night shift on a Friday night and uh, someone came in the office with a problem and left feeling better than he came in the office. And, and after he left, I started crying and uh, I realized my purpose. Like I realized like I, I could make 70 grand a year or I could help one guy a year and like the different kind of rewards, different kind of payment. Right. And I was like, wow, this is this is what I'm live for. What have I been doing my whole life? And got on the poor me a little bit. But then 
realized that drywall wasn't anything I wanted to do long term. Man, we're all tearing up here. Man, that is, that's good. That's good because yeah. I've had those moments as well. And so I, I've come to understand and I work in the same, I've worked in the same ministry that you're in for yeah. 10 years. So I know that well and I'm on the board today. And so I am in contact with you guys on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, we don't, we don't get a chance to sit down and talk like this. But I, I realized when I finally, to stay sober, I had to give up my will of yeah. what I thought I could do to pay my bills. Like just simple stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I started working with, uh, at a care home that the treatment center's at now. And it was, you know, 12 guys or 11 guys in there. And they all have a mental illness and I just came and I gave them meds and, and gave them food and tucked them in at night. And I was like, this isn't a job. Like, yeah. this is what I would do. Yeah. Like, this is this is helping me recover. And, and through that process and the responsibility of doing something for other people actually helped keep me sober and stop thinking about myself. And mm-hmm. I just thought, like, God knows me better than I know me. So stop making, I got to just stop this. I'm going like, whoa, what am I going to choose today? Yeah, now you're making us tear up too. So that was a beautiful (laughs) story, John. Beautiful. Man. It's true. It's a life, right? So then what's your resume look like? Like if you gave me your resume, what would would you be hired under? Like drywall, Uh, you know, trades? Therapist. Drywall. <laughs> now you can put. Uh, I don't got a resume, but I would have to put uh, God on my resume, literally. Yeah, yeah. So that's a beautiful Reco- thing. Recovered addict, uh, child of God, uh, counselor at a treatment center, with with side skills in drywall. Whew, whew, that's beautiful. Yeah. So in that, like, you're explaining getting this new life, mm-hmm. and and God's not an add-on. Recovery's not an add-on. You're not getting pain relief. You're you're free. Yeah. And you have a new life because of recovery. Right. And 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 because you threw your hands up, because you know because you gave up what you knew to be your truth and now you have God leading you and awakening you and bringing you into a whole new And right. I know where you're at because yeah. I've been there. I was there for 8 years and I know like finally I graduated rehab like you're kind of stuck in rehab right now. At least you're getting paid. But, yeah. you know, I know that somebody comes to the door to drop off mail or a package and you answer to the door or somebody else or a client answers the door. They don't really know who lives there yeah. because we all yeah, look yeah. the same. Right. But you're there. And I know that why I was there, my experience was there to learn and grow right. and to become stronger and become more awake in, oh. in certain areas that I wasn't. So congratulations on the job, yeah. and uh, you, you you just gave an announcement. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? An announcement? Did, I hear did an you announcement? get a better? Like, did you get a promotion? Did you get more? It's under more? review. It's under review. Under yeah, review, yeah, you yeah, have a sure. review today. Yeah, in, in ten <laughs> minutes. Another review going in today. Yeah. <laughs> That's Why, good. Did I? Did, did the board member knows there's something coming. Is that what's going no, on? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you got moved to days or. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm working full time days now. It's not yeah, really I don't. Anything. I'm not. I like how you said that though, too, right? Because so I could answer the door when I when I'm working there, and you could relate to like we're the same. Like there is no there, there's not really a staff and a client. There's there's an alcoholic and an addict mm-hmm. who is trying to better life, better his or her, his or her life, his life in this case, right? But mm-hmm. and uh, one thing I say, my first year working there, there was one client. So it's a nine month program, right? And he graduated nine months later, and this guy this guy grew so much, right? But I could literally look at him and say that I grew more than you. Like, I grew more yeah, than him yeah, yeah. in that year than he grew just, just being there with those guys, right? And although it's a job that, that we get paid to do, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we would do it for free. Yeah, and it's keeping you sober. It's, uh, I, like, you don't answer the door in your, like, lab coat and your stethoscope. 
I don't have a stethoscope. Stethoscope. But no, but you look the same. I know yeah. that when I work there in the capacity of the, the care home, uh-huh. like I know it was a fine line of who worked there and who didn't. And, yeah. and that's where my mind was. Um, but it's the same idea where we actually, you, we look the same yeah. as somebody in early recovery. Uh, we might act different. We might see things different. We're wide awake and we're actually helping other people into the same bath. And right. that's a beautiful thing is that we actually build a line in transmission. And that's what a mm. doctor doesn't have. Yep. I, I remember being in treatment and where I went to treatment, it was very um, confidential. So no one could talk about that. Like no counselor could talk about their past or anything. Uh, you didn't know anything about anybody leading it. But okay. there was one guy that I, I just pick, I could pick us out pretty, pretty easily. And so I went to him all the time with my issues or my questions and okay. it was all new to me. So I was like, what's a media, what's a sponsor and what, what, what is all this stuff? Because I knew that he, without even knowing his story, I knew we had a line of transmission that I didn't have yeah. from anyone else. Right. And that's the beautiful thing that we have. And, and we get calls all the time. I get emails all the time, messages all the time with Asha Drubies and church stuff is, can you talk to my son? Right. I'm like, why? Like, because I got a PhD or, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. because it's, there's no hope. And mm-hmm. so could you give my 20 year old kid hope yeah. or could you guide us and direct us? What, what do we do? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. So we and have, you can, that, you can do it. You we can, have that line can. of transmission right. that, that you can't get anywhere else. Right. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's what we want to do with this, uh, this podcast is have that available for people to really understand what the problem is, what, the solution is what our options are and yeah right. beautiful thing man what else we got i know and just add one more thing to it yeah. uh, like we talk i'm a grade 10 dropout right i'm uh i'm a construction worker and now my life is helping others and caring for others but um that that life is open to everyone right you don't have to be an addict to do that right and that's that's um I think that's that's one of the problems with this world is uh, not the world. Sorry, maybe some of the people in this world that that they don't see that as a life worth living when when it's really the the dream life. Mm-hmm. That's right. beautiful. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. yeah. The occasional amen over there, eh? Man, no, right? it's it's encouraging just to hear your story though, and just like the ease and comfort that you would have got from drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you've actually connected to God. You've connected to a power greater than yourself, mm-hmm. and it's like now you're getting ease and comfort from that right you know and it's like and it could be even broader than that like you know it doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol it could be something yeah. else for someone else right. but it's like that you're actually connected into this power and now you have access to this power yeah and then to see you you know after you know would you have guessed you know that you'd be this well, is where you would be and well, now you have an 11 month old son right. and you're married and it, like and just to think of the actual impact you have not even with the, the treatment center, but well, just like your immediate family. Right. And, and what does that speak to? And what does it say to you about your parents? And like, yeah, that's what I want to say too. You don't have to work at a treatment center to, to tap into that power and to help other people. Right. Like I, I, I'm blessed that I have that job and you're blessed that you have a platform to, to work mm-hmm. on it too. Right. But this, this life uh, that we love so much is open to anyone who wants it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. Yeah. That's what I say to guys like, well, what do I do? You're just saying quit your job. You know what I say is like start helping others first. Like have the message, have the process, yeah. and then God's gonna bring you people. And when right. there's too many people, then think about quitting your job or transitioning. Yeah. Or get, let God guide you. Who knows? Yeah. But if we're holding on to all the stuff that we've learned or our addiction has built our lives, and we're still holding on to that stuff, mm-hmm. it's uh, we get our results. So yeah. it's beautiful to hear your your 
you have a new life. Yeah. Congratulations. And you're there to see the miracle of your child being born. And you get to witness the miracle of seeing a little person grow. And you get to be an influencer. Right. You're a creator, an influencer, right. and being a useful tool by God. Right. And not being a consumer. You're being fruitful. You're giving back. Right. At all levels, man. At all levels. That's cool. It's really encouraging. Right on. Right on. Right on. Let me go get my promotion now. All right, you gotta you gotta get on the grind, back to work, and right. uh, thank you for taking the time. I yeah, appreciate man. it. Thanks for thanks for doing this. this is have awesome. have a great Christmas. I'm not gonna lie, I was super super excited to to come and be a part of the line of transmission. Oh, yeah. right on. It's, it's a life. It's a life. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs>